Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. It's the Bears Podcast, and and Mike Pusateri and I will be breaking down all of the exciting stuff that happened in Sunday's loss to the Tennessee Titans. I don't know what we're going to do um, after those two and a half minutes, um, <laughs> but we'll figure something out. So as always, I'm Andy. Uh, you can you can uh, check out the podcast and the newsletter at PointlessExercise.com. And uh, you can see what Mike's up to at MikePusateri.com. And I'm not going to try to sing the Mickey Mouse song this week. So, when did you know the Bears were going to lose Sunday? Well, first let me say that I am actually calling from a different place. I am coming to you live from Four Seasons Total Landscaping. (laughs) Wow, you're at the Four Seasons. (laughs) <laughs> and go. I just, I want to congratulate the Bears on this on their enormous victory. A fifty point it's one of the biggest victories in NFL history. Nobody's seen a victory like that. We could just change the result, right? We That's can right. make it the, the, the Bears won. And frankly, they did win. That's still my favorite. That'll be the quote of the Trump. We were gonna win, and frankly, we did win. No, no, we didn't. But that's if we only, if you only count up if you count up the legal points scored in that game, the Bears won by a lot. That's right. Yeah. As far as we know, they might still be counting. <laughs> still might be, where's Cornette? Because really, the Bears did follow the Joe Biden trajectory, which was it was the it was the Titan wave, the mirage, the Titan mirage got them out to that seventeen nothing lead, and then all right. their air points came in late. Yeah, they scored. You know, I don't know what percentage that is. But they were like seventy five percent of the points after that. Yeah, yeah, I think. You yeah, did. you guys. Uh, it is. I guess uh, uh, when I thought they would lose, uh, right after kickoff, I, I had a bad feeling about this game. Well, Kyle Fuller dropped the pick that would have been the touchdown on the third yeah. play of the game. I was like, all right, yeah. well, that's probably it. That was it. And then uh, I did tweet after they got down three nothing, the insurmountable three point lead because it deficit. <laughs> Because it did, it just felt like it. Yeah, it always does. And then, With the, you know, stats, you can make, you can torture stats enough, you can make them do anything. But the, those stats, you'd have to torture them to make them look like the Titans won. You know, the Bears, yeah. the, the defense, they held them to seven, three and outs. They held um, Derrick Henry to 68 yards and barely three yards of carry. The Bears had a time of possession, full through for over 300 yards. They outgained them. They they doubled their first downs. But mm-hmm. if you watch the game, they were getting their ass kicked. So they were totally getting their ass kicked. And and yeah, I mean there was the Kyle Fuller thing, and then Eddie Jackson misses a tackle and uh, turns into a thirty-eight yard gain. And this is the bear. You know, these are two of the best players in the league, certainly on the team. And. Um, if if they can't make if they're not making these plays like this early, the Bears are not good enough to overcome these sorts of missed opportunities. Yeah. They're just not. They can't win a game straight up. They need the defense has to make a game turning play or two. Um like in the like in the Tampa Bay game, where Fuller turned the whole game around with that one hit. Yeah. Um it's not, a, it's not a fun way to live to have to be – your defense not only has to be perfect because they can't afford – they give a big play, they can't overcome it on offense. But you not only are you supposed to not give up the big play, you're supposed to create the big play for your own team. That's that. It's not a good place to be 
no matter how good the defense is. It, it is an unfair burden, but the Bears cannot win if the defense isn't getting turnovers for them. And that, and as good as the defense is, that's something they have not really done a whole lot of. So, you know, we knew going in that the Bears' offense would be particularly challenged because their offensive line was ravaged by COVID and injuries and both yeah. for Cody Whitehair. And, um, they were starting Arlington ham sandwich or whatever at one guard and some guy they – some undrafted rookie free agent from the practice squad. But if if you didn't know watching the game that that wasn't their normal line, would you have noticed? I don't think you would have. Because no, even the have. normal line is bad. In fact, the line is so bad that it can barely get worse when they have to go to other guys. So you That's can't a, really use it as an excuse when you don't yeah. block anybody anyway. That's such a good point. Yeah, watching that game, you wouldn't. It, it did not stick out that what's going on. Oh, I of course they got all these new linemen, and that's that explains uh, it. Nah, looked like every other game. Yeah. <laughs> Which you really have to tip your cap to Ryan Pace for building the kind of depth. <laughs> He's only had six years to put together an offensive line and find yeah. a quarterback and a running back, and he has done none of those things. No. Six years, clearly not not nearly enough time to accomplish those two objectives. He did, however, uh, draft a tight end that they just refused <laughs> to use for whatever right. reason. Yeah. You know, I, I know he has a groin injury. Maybe that's why. I kind of hope so at this point that he's just limited. But it just seems like they forget, you know, they're so enamored with Jimmy Graham, who it seems and- fine when you get right to the end zone. Other than that, Jimmy's kind of checked out. Yeah. Well, I had a and you have the great Ryan Nall. Yeah, I mean that's you know he's been unleashed now on the NFL. <laughs> First career touchdown. Dave Montgomery has a concussion. I would you know I would guess that the extra day makes it more likely that he'll be ready to go on Monday. But yeah, you know otherwise you're going Ryan Nall and Corderell as your running backs against the Vikings. That's yeah, not there you go. great. Yeah. And Nagy's probably like, damn, we shouldn't have we shouldn't have let Nall loose. Yeah. God, I can't losing, believe in a losing game. You know, it's, maybe they're gonna start running the Mitch offense with Nall instead. That was that was a a bone I had to pick, not only with the great Dick Stockton, and as you pointed out, isn't it great that the Bears have already descended back to the Dick Stockton level of announcer assignments? Wow. Yeah. Um both he and Greg Jennings, right? That's who the color guy was, the old Packer Greg- wide receiver. Yep. Um, talks about how Mitch got hurt running the Wildcat. It's not the Wildcat when the quarterback, when a quarterback is playing quarterback. It's the Wildcat when a running back or a wide receiver is playing quarterback. They were running the offense. They weren't running the Wildcat. Right. If they were, then they were always running the Wildcat last year. And maybe they were because Mitch was the air quote quarterback. Yeah. You know, he didn't change positions. He's still a quarterback. And yes, I guess we, uh, you know, we had a lot of fun last week with uh, going over the the wild imagination of the Ryan Pace Mitch package. Yeah. One play in it. Turns out Mitch got hurt on his one play. Taysom Trubisky package. Three yards and an injured shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> And not bad enough to require surgery. Mitch is probably the only 
athlete who, when the doctor said that, he's like, are you, are you sure? <laughs> Could you look again? Maybe it's, maybe it's bad enough. Yeah. Can I just end this shit? I got some loose cartilage in there anyway, Doc. Maybe we do two things at once. Uh, the Bears did get good news, though, because it, it, for a while it looked like they weren't going to have – they were only going to have one quarterback active because Tyler Bray was in the COVID protocols, but apparently he, he did enough spitting into the thing that they cleared him. Um, but I wonder who would have been – I know who. I know. I already know. Who do you think the quarterback would have been had Bray not been able to be active and Foles got hurt? Well, I, I'd love I'd love to say Walter Payton. Yeah, that would have been because <laughs> that would have been you know he he was the emergency quarterback back in the day. Let's see, um, Cairo Santos. <laughs> oh, that would have been good. Is he even back there? <laughs> the defense is like they don't have a quarterback, and he just, his little hand comes up over the center's butt like I'm right here. Like, <laughs> it snapped it over his head again. <laughs> I assume it's his Corderell. He can do everything. Perfect. Yeah, Corderell. You want to go play quarterback? Sure. All right, great. Right. Right. Would it have? Would they have been any worse? I'm not sure they would have. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. So Mitch is. We think Mitch is. Has he taken his last snap um, as a Chicago Bear? Well, it sounds like he'll be the backup again at some point. So then it just comes down to if Foles gets hurt again. Uh, there were a couple of plays where. Foles' complete lack of mobility was pretty glaring. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, oh, man, he really can't move at all. And I'm like, no. didn't he catch a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl? <laughs> what happened? I mean, I know he, seems it, to, he seems to move backwards great when there's <laughs> yeah. five guys piling Straight up. Back. He does that weird, the Fred Flintstone in reverse. <laughs> and then just doesn't even step up, just flings it. <sighs> Yeah, we saw something though. You know, just when the Bears, you think they've done everything that you could ever possibly see, they run a fake punt. Mm. It works, <laughs> and they have to call timeout because they weren't ready for it to work. They surprised the shit out of themselves. Yep. It's our ball still. What? What happened? We made it. We did. Oh. <laughs> did. <laughs> Foles, get your helmet. So I did myself the the disservice, I guess, of watching the Matt Nagy postgame press conference. Oh, God, God love you. And he got asked about that question immediately. Like, what happened there when you guys ran the fake punt and then mm-hmm. had to call timeout? Mm-hmm. Well, he said, you know, um, he didn't even give it his typical, I didn't see it. Because that's the thing, he always says, I didn't see it. I was looking at my play sheet. He didn't do that, but uh, he said, oh, uh, we, we, we brought in a personnel grouping, and, you know, because of the quick change of possession, like, oh, it's not a change of possession. We kept <laughs> the ball. Uh, quick change of possession. Uh, one of our wide receivers didn't come out on the field. And, you know, so we called timeout because we don't want to get a penalty right after that. We just got some momentum. And if you watch games around the league, that happens all the time. <laughs> like, uh, that's the worst use of all that's, that all in that is doing a tremendous amount of heavy lifting. That a lot never of work. happens. Nobody no. does. Nobody screws that up. No. 
Which is why that was the first question he got asked. Yes, and which is why I was like, holy shit, this has never happened before. It happens all the time. Like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> it's, yeah. And the incoherence, again, of the Bears, why, why even go for it in that situation? Why are yeah. you going for it? And then other situations later in the game where being aggressive is warranted, well, they don't go, you know, and then they don't, or they kick the field goal like yeah. they did at the end, of, at the end of the game. They, they're really not, uh, they're, they're very incoherent, their thought processes. Yeah. The most futile thing is the, is the fake that three plays later, you end up having to run it for real. So yeah. fake the punt, run three plays. Now we're going to punt it for good. Yeah. Now, how, we didn't that, capitalize at all on the fake. Talk about something that almost never happens. That almost never happens. Yeah, yeah we got the fake punt. We made the first down and three and out. Yeah. That never happened. I distinctly remember watching um, Notre Dame-Michigan one year when Notre Dame scored late to take the lead, and the great Elvis Gerbach came out <laughs> to mount the final drive. And I'm, I think I'm, was I, I think it was after college, but I'm sitting around with, drinking beer with my friend. We're watching the game. And I go, you know what you never see at the end of this? You never just see four incompletions and the game's over. Like, and that's exactly what Elvis did. He threw four incompletions and the game was over. <laughs> like, thank, thank you, Elvis. There you go. Too bad he wasn't around a couple of years ago. Ryan Pace could have drafted up or traded up to draft Elvis Gerbach. Yeah. I'm surprised he didn't sign him. Maybe that's who he was going to call if they couldn't get. And they got, they yeah. did sign a quarterback today, which you know if the guy's available in week nine. Are we week nine or ten? Ten. Ten. Well, I guess Monday. There's a game tonight, but yeah, whatever. Close enough. Some guy from oh. Southern Miss that I had literally never heard of. He he'd been a backup for um, uh, for the Lions. And it's so good, it's not even <laughs> coming up on the headlines here. Not that it's that exciting. Kyle, uh, Kyle Sloter. Sloter. The great. <laughs> Kyle Sloter. Uh huh. Mm. All right. Yeah, that'll turn things around. Help is on the way. Kyle Sloter. We were talking the other week about good football names, and, you know. That's yeah, not a good football name. Kyle Sloter is not a great. Yeah. You can tell right away if you draft Kyle Sloter. Yeah, something went wrong somewhere. Yeah, like even even if Pace could just use that for his determiner, you, you would never have drafted Mitch Trubisky. No, that's not a that's not a winning quarterback name. You would have drafted Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. Hey, we would have missed on Mahomes because that's kind of an odd. And he'd be like, "Oh, that guy's dad was a shitty baseball player, so we're not going with him." But you know, Deshaun Watson sounds like you could you could picture sounds Super cool. Bowl MVP Deshaun Watson. You can't in your mind picture Super Bowl MVP Mitch Trubisky. No. <sighs> but yeah, no one has ever gotten more mileage out of driving Grandma's Camry and making a steakhouse reservation under the name James McMahon than our boy Mitch. <laughs> he really Ruined did the that next one. twenty years of Bear football with those two. <laughs> uh. Yeah, and uh, but of course, Bears Twitter, some of Bears Twitter's put in Mitch. 
Yeah, the same geniuses who wanted him in a couple of weeks ago, even when he's not active, <laughs> want him in. Go to Why Mitch. Why can't anyone play Mitch? They never play Mitch. They were 3-0 and with Mitch. Well, not a, not I don't know if you notice he's not in the stadium. It would be difficult <laughs> to put him in. And if he yeah. were in the stadium, he wouldn't have any pads on, which seems like it would be very, very much at a disadvantage to Mitch to make him play in a sling without any pads. But if you want yeah. it, we'll try it. That's fine. Sure. Can't, can't do any worse. Yeah, I mean, I, I got a lot of traction out of a tweet from Saturday night of my disgust watching Clemson and Notre Dame. And Clemson has a true freshman who I'm not – DJ Ungalele or whatever his name was. Mm-hmm. Who is so much better than anybody on the current Bears roster. Which means, because they also have Trevor Lawrence, that a ACC team – has two quarterbacks who are easily better than anybody on an NFL franchise in the great city of Chicago. <sighs> mm-hmm. It's uh, it's great. And so much about pace. If you're going to draft an ACC quarterback, draft him out of Clemson. Right, don't draft not, him out. No, not North Carolina. Carolina, you get your point guard from there. You don't get your quarterback. <laughs> maybe draft, well, maybe maybe thought he draft Ronald Curry. You get both. He plays point yeah. guard and a quarterback. No, no, and. no. Charlie uh. Ward? Well, no. They weren't in the ACC then, but no, don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if people are like, who's going to stop complaining about that? There's nothing you can do about it. Well, we know there's nothing we can do about it, but it, it haunts us, and it will forever. And what haunts us even more is that in a, a competently run team, Right now, the owners would be like, eh, it didn't work. We tried it. We we went with the, you know, we hired the young GM. We saddled him with an old fossil coach for a couple of years and let him hire, let him draft a quarterback and hire his guy, and he fucked them both up, and we've got to fire him. Mm-hmm. That's not how the Bears work. They, Pace and Nagy cemented their jobs for at least at least one more year when they made the playoffs two years ago. I wanted to <clears throat> run this by you because people are like, well, you know, Nagy's offense was really good that first year, and then it was worse last year, and it's even worse this year. But it wasn't really good the first year at the end. Right. So I think we all remember they went to – they played the Giants with Chase Daniel, who had to play yesterday, by the way, because Matt Stafford got a concussion. Mm-hmm. Chase is like, wait a minute, what? No, no, I don't actually play. I just, I just stand over here with my hat on. Like, no, you gotta yeah. play. We're paying you eight million dollars. So you gotta go play. Damn it. Fuck. Um, played the Giants in New York. Um, lost in overtime. One of my favorite things about it was the Chase did not play great. The game tying touchdown pass was thrown by Tariq Cohen. But the Bears scored 27 points that day and mm-hmm. passed for yeah, they had 376 yards total. It's not great, but you know, not, not a bad day. That's the last time they've been good. They That was week 13 of the first year. Right. Because then they played the Rams. Um, lost 15. Oh, they beat the Rams, but the offense was bad. They won 15-6. to six. Um, 
beat the Packers 19 to 17. Beat the Niners 20 to 9. And then beat the Vikings 17 to 10. They had been scoring. They had had games of 48, 31, 41, 34, and 27 before that run. They lost the playoff game 16 to 15. Right. So they didn't score more than 24 points in any game the last four weeks of the season plus um, the playoffs, which leads me to believe that's about the time the NFL figured out the Matt Nagy offense, which happens to every coach, and that's when, okay, now they figured out we do this, now we do this. But there's a big problem. Matt doesn't have a second this. He only has the first this. He has one this. He paid and, for one day. Yeah, and so he's like, I don't, I don't know what to do, and he yeah. hasn't done it. They have not been a good offense ever since then. They could say, well, that's because Mitch got hurt, and as they had Daniel, and like, no, no, that's not why. No, Mitch was. They'd also figured out Mitch, and there was never any counter to it. Well, many times. During my Bears fandom and my Cubs fandom, I have found myself openly rooting against my team. So they will be so bad that ownership will have no choice but to make it make a change. That has happened more times than I can remember. Going back to, you know, Jack Pardee and Neil Armstrong with the Bears, probably. Um, are we at that point? Now, where it's just—is there any reason trying to not just blow this thing up and start all over? Should we just should we just hope that they lose out, and then there'll be even the McCaskies will be forced to get rid of Pace and Nagy and start over again for the ten millionth time? My fear is that they will, if they lost out, they went five and eleven. They probably that they're going five and one screwed up most likely their chance of drafting Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. That's mm-hmm. probably that's a bridge too far now. Right. My fear is they go five and eleven. So you pick what, like ten or eleven? I don't know how many. It seems like there's a lot of bad teams, especially in the NFC. Yeah. Um, and you leave Ryan Pace in charge, and blow the first round draft pick again, which they finally have after you know a couple of years of not having one, and so. It's like, well, what the hell? Why were we even? Why we? What's the advantage of picking in eighth? Yeah, he's going to might as well pick, have been picking eighteenth. Right, he's going to pick Ian Book. Yeah, yes, that was another one of my comments. Was they yeah, base wife say game one? Ooh, I like that guy. I'm going to trade up to draft Ian Book. Like, no, 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 no. But if the Bears, after having started out five and one, if they fail to make the playoffs, it's going to be very, very hard to not to not make sweeping changes from the front office and, and the head coach. It just, it's just going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be almost impossible. I would think. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're rooting for change, the, if you're going to win five or six games, the only way it's going to happen is if it happens the way it would have to happen for the bears, which is, you know, if you can, if you just kind of like parse out the the wins throughout the season, you know, win, you know, one a month and then two in December, it's like, well, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't that bad. But if you win them all before the first frost, 
and then you lose the rest, it does make <laughs> it like, oh, that went bad in a hurry. And this is not a tailspin we can, these morons can pull their way out of. So I guess there would be a glimmer of hope there that, you know, they set it. I mean, nobody thought they were really good when they were five and one, but nobody I thought did. they were bad. They were like, ah, this isn't a really, this isn't a five and one team, but they won five games early. Now all they have to do is go, you know, five and nine the rest of the way. Would that be? That'd be ten and six? Five and nine. Uh, no. no. Five and five. Five and five. Go five yeah. and one. Go five and five the rest of the way. I don't know. I can't math. I need Steve Kornacki here to towards Kornacki. To write it on the board. That's a that's one thing that really bothers me about that. I watch MSC, MSNBC more than any of the other channels. His finger penmanship is atrocious. When he goes to write the numbers on that thing, you, you can't read them. I know there's only like a certain portion of the board where he can actually write on, and he was sometimes yeah. missing, and I was like, oh, it's just get the guy a little stylus or whatever. Yes, it's yeah. I agree. It's smudged, and he's always kind of correcting. Oh, that's supposed to be a yeah, seven, right. like a one. He's scratching it out. Or at one point, he's like, ah, "I'm doing my. I'm, I'm using the calculator on my phone." And like, yeah, <laughs> it's 2020. That's the only yeah. calculator anybody in the world still owns. <laughs> Nobody goes out and buys a calculator anymore. You Nobody. carry one around with you every day. It's like the people who buy just a regular, like a little. You know, like a little digital camera. You can't buy one of those anymore either because who would buy them? You care? You have a nicer phone. You have a nicer camera on your phone than that. Yeah, nobody's carrying a calculator not, or a camera anymore, Steve. You don't have your your Texas Instruments calculator with you, Steve. Right. I mean, you get a, I'm surprised you don't have a graphing calculator. I can never figure out how to make. It. I never had. A, I never made it to a math class advanced enough where they taught us how to use the graphing part of the calculator. Yeah, but, me neither. I, I was confused by yeah. that. Yeah. They're like, no, we're going to run through your multiplication tables again. <laughs> I'm a sophomore in college. Yeah, well, you're still, you still don't know them. Um, yeah, so you start 5-1, and one, you figure, all right, well, we can go 5-5. Five and five. That's 10-6. That's a playoff team. Well, I got to tell you right now, they're not, go, they're, not, they're not winning 10 games. No. There, oh, no. there are not five more wins on this schedule. Yeah. Um, and some of it is the law of averages. You know, we talked a lot about how uh, Nagy has never lost to the Vikings. Well, I got news for you. He's going to make up for that this year. He's going to lose to him twice. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And they're not good. Like, their defense is terrible. Yeah. And that doesn't matter with this Bear offense. Um, I also am very leery of their ability to beat the Great Lions. Again, mm-hmm. considering the Lions should have beaten them handily the first time, but they, you know, but, you know, they're the Lions. They could still screw that up. Yep. They get the Packers twice. Yeah, and those, they're not going to win either one of those. That's five losses right there. They get you to yeah, seven I mean, and nine at the best. Who are the other teams? Houston. But I yeah. just have a bad feeling about that because I, I just feel like Houston can find a way to outscore them because the Bears aren't going to score any points. And then it doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter who the other team is. We could look it up. No. But I'm not even going to bother. Um, yeah. yeah, the other yeah, great yeah. thing he said. I knew what he meant, but the way he said it, I really enjoyed it. Um, he got asked, he said, Nagy, he said, uh, you know, your next three games are division games. You've got the Vikings, then there's a bye, then the Packers, then the Lions. Would you say this is a crucial point of the season he's like at this point 
we just need to win one. <laughs> but what it meant to, what it sounded like was not, we just got to get a win. It sounded like we just got to win one of those three. One of those three. Yeah. yeah like, right. now you got to probably gonna have to win all three of those three. Well, they won't, they, they'll, they won't lose the bye week So that'll be good. Maybe. They'll, they'll be able to- Maybe. <laughs> I don't, at this point, I'm not sure. It's possible. They'll pick up some momentum that week. But yeah, I mean, uh, I think, I think at the beginning of the year, I think I thought they were. This is a six or seven win team. They started five and one, and and I do think we were happy with that. But I also think we were kind of realistic too about is this really a five and one team? It's taken. There's been a few miraculous comebacks and really stupid coaching decisions by their opponents that kind of yeah they all count and they're five and one, but are they really five and one kind of caliber team and? Uh, um, I, now when their depth is just being really, really stress test and is not holding up well to that stress test, uh, and now that the competition is going to stiffen considerably, they, they still may very easily end up with six or seven wins when this thing is over. And if you're at six and seven wins again at the end of this season, how do you not? How do you not clean house? How do you not just burn? Yeah, it the down? trend is not great to go from. 12 wins to eight wins to six. Yeah. That's not what you're looking for. No. Um, and for all, even with their five and one start, they are, they're underdogs at home on Monday night against a three win Vikings team. Tells you a lot. That's, this is their 10th game of the season. This is the ninth time the bears have been underdogs. <laughs> That's what Vegas thinks. Only the Giants. That's the only game they were favored in. And it was only, yeah. I think, two and a half. Mm-hmm. So they were getting less than you typically... I know there's no crowds, but they were getting less than you typically get if you're the home team, which is three points at a minimum. Three points, right. So Vegas has never bought their shit, ever. Like, yeah. no. Although Vegas... So, um, Tuesday night, you know, election's going on. I don't know if you knew that. There was an election. The election was going on on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> at one point, I guess about Nine o'clock, maybe ten o'clock central. Uh, Bovada started putting the uh, Trump odds started dropping dramatically. He went from like you know plus two forty to all of a sudden like minus three thirty. He got to like minus nine hundred, and people are <laughs> freaking out like, "Oh my God, Vegas knows he's going to win." How do yeah, they my, know? My, what my what mother- inside info do they have? <laughs> My mother texted me like Vegas now thinks Trump is going to win. How do you know that? How would, how does my mother know that? I don't know how she do that, but yeah, you're right. Um, it's like okay, well, it, once again, it's it, it it shows ignorance of what actually sets the odds. Right. Vegas had gotten mostly Trump money in the run up to the election, and they did against Hillary too, because for whatever reason, degenerate gamblers just like to bet on Trump. And it was pretty clear in hindsight, which is always the clearest, that the guys in Vegas were like, this is the moment when... Because the one thing we got from all of the networks was a piss-poor job of explaining which states were counting which votes when. Yes. They weren't breaking down the fact that, okay, in Florida, Florida was able to count the mail-in ballots early. 
So the first results you saw were the mail-ins. So Joe had a lead, and everybody was like, oh, my God, he's going to win Florida. It's going to be a blowout. Then they started counting the day of ones, which were heavily Trump. Trump catches him and passes it and sends liberals into the fetal position over a state that they probably didn't think, going into the night, probably didn't think they were going to win anyway. But now right, they're crushed op- by it. it- and the opposite happened in other states, most right. notably so Pennsylvania, it, right. where, where they count the in-person first because they're not – legally, they can't start counting the right. mail-in ballots until the next day and all that. So it really felt about that time. Vegas is like – Trump doesn't have a big enough – he didn't build a big enough lead. He's not going to be able to win. But if you're watching TV coverage right now, which everybody is, yeah, this is the sweet spot for us to get some Trump money or to get – our. Uh, this is the sweet spot. I guess I'm, I'm fracturing my own thing. It could mitigate their risk on the people who want to bet on Trump. And hopefully, in their mind, encourage some people who were like, uh-uh, uh-uh, you can't fool me, to put some money on Biden. Mm-hmm. Because they want to level out the bets as best as possible. I mean, obviously, they want it to lean a little bit. They want a little more money on what the, the outcome they think is most likely to happen. But... They're as risk averse as anybody else. They want that to be. They do not like it when they go into a game, go into you know a game, or in this case, an election, with a preponderance of money on one side, because it leaves right. them open to having to pay out a lot more than they took in. Which Vegas, I don't know if people know this, Vegas is not you know the only hotel that the only casino that has ever gone bankrupt was the Trump Taj Mahal in New Jersey. You know the Enjoy. rest of them, and maybe yeah. Mo Green and the Tropicana. I don't know what. <laughs> he took one in the eye, and things didn't work out well for Mo. But yeah, um, he was skimming from the top. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I looked there and thought, that's actually when I started to feel, because I, I, you know, I, people read the, right? I did not want Donald Trump to get reelected. That's when I actually started to feel good about it. I was like, oh, 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 this, they've swung it way too far. They Vegas has showed me their hand. Mm-hmm. Then the next big event was. Fox calling Arizona for Biden that and was completely huge. pissing off everybody on that set. <laughs> right. They got so mad. And if you know anything about the uh, the history of the Fox decision desk, they they don't answer to anybody else at Fox, which is the way the decision desk is supposed to work. You're supposed to be independent right. of the of the news side or the analysis side. And the guy that runs that is super smart and very aggressive. Mm-hmm. And has and very so good. far, and, right? And, and very, very good. So far, yeah. never had to rescind one, right? And whatever he saw in the numbers, he's like, nope, that's it. Um, but that really pissed off. What? And then the reason it pissed off the people on Fox so much was not that it was going to. Obviously, people had already voted. It's not like people could go. Oh, I'm not going to go vote now. He won Arizona. It cut into the bullshit narrative that the that the president was going to try to have about where he was going to go on stage when he was still ahead and declare the election over. Right. Well, that screwed it up because that opened a completely separate path for Biden to still win. So now Joe had these two somewhat likely routes, which made it very hard. And there was no way Trump was going to have an electoral advantage when he wanted to go out and talk to America and tell us that he won. So I enjoyed that too. That was good. But anyway, back to the Bears, because that's what people <laughs> Yeah, there's the Bears podcast. Back to another, all. just a different frustrating. Can I go over just real quickly? Just, we're going to talk about it. I, I thought at some point someone at the, at, 
at the start of the coverage would explain the difference between what is too early to call versus what yeah. is too close to call. I know they're not going to do that all throughout the coverage, but hey, top of the hour, first polls just closed. We're going to say some states are too early to call, some are so too close to call. Here's the difference. They never did that, at least not that I saw yeah. that. I mean, it's weird because now I didn't watch all the networks, so maybe maybe the broadcast networks were slightly different than the than the than the twenty four hour cable ones, but it's a lot like um, overcorrecting in say the Super Bowl and like explaining basic rules of football because you know there are people at home at a, or people watching a Super Bowl party who don't watch very much. And there have been networks that have have over way overcorrected in that. Like, okay, right. needs they need they have four chances to get ten yards, and then they keep it, like, no, 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 we don't. You don't need to explain that part of it. So I don't know if the twenty four hour cable ones felt like okay, the people who watch us, they are hip to this stuff. We're gonna skip yeah. that, and we're just gonna, and then maybe wow. I mean they, or, real NBC had the the moronic Chuck Todd running their board, right. You know. Um, maybe he was explaining that stuff. Okay, now here, America is made up of 50 independent states. <laughs> like, oh, how far are we got? It's like Mark Tressman with the first day of football practice. This is a football. Like, no, no, we're not, we're not going to, we don't need to go back that far. But you're right. There yeah. were, and the other thing they needed to realize is that it, their audience was changing constantly. People were flipping around or giving up yeah. on it for a little while to watch something else and coming back. So you were going to need to explain this stuff several times. And then, of course, the election goes on for five days. And you probably need to explain it again, you know, over the course of the next four days. Uh, but they didn't. They didn't They didn't really flush out their terminology. And then they, no, until no, they had whittled it down to just the last few states, then they finally started to emphasize, they were explaining, like, okay, here's why the Democrats are, win, are, are so far ahead when we get these kinds of ballots. Right. Yeah. It's just... And there was some thought that um, Fox wanted to call Nevada and then couldn't because they'd already called Arizona and Nevada would have put Biden over and they would have right. been the first ones to have actually declared that he was. And they just didn't want. They were already getting nasty calls from the White House. They didn't want another one. Yeah, that would have been too much to take. Well, there was on Saturday, Neil Cavuto was doing his little show and somebody gets in his ear and he's like, well, apparently some of the other broadcast outlets are, are calling Pennsylvania for Biden and they're giving him the race. And, uh, but you know, that's just, it's just some, well, it was everybody, but them. And then like 10 seconds later, he's like, well, we're going to go to Brett Bear and, <laughs> and they immediately called it. You know, like, I thought it and I think he added in there. Seems a little bit early, no? Yeah. To be, uh, yeah, it seems a little early. Days. We've only been waiting for five days. <laughs> and then five seconds later, they follow suit. Yeah. Well, you talked about the Rudy thing. Yeah. It, it's, it's, the thing is even more asinine than I originally thought. So what I thought was they meant to book the Four Seasons Hotel in Philadelphia and just called the wrong number. And ended up booking four seasons total landscaping by accident. It turns out that's not the case. What where the disconnect was was they told Trump 
that the press conference was at the was at Four Seasons, and he immediately tweeted out that it was at the Four Seasons in Philadelphia because he, Mister Hotel Guy, is like, of course, we have the Four Seasons. That's great. Um, but nobody is really sure why they picked the place they picked, other than it was close to the tollway. Um, because then they get there and it's literally positioned in between an adult bookstore and a crematorium. <laughs> the people from Four Seasons Total Landscaping didn't know why they got called because they're like, we're not like, you know, it's not like we had Trump signs up or anything. We're, you know, we're just a landscaping company. We don't do, get into that kind of stuff. But I love the fact that they were like, yeah, sure. Okay. If you want to book it, yeah. we'll take your money. Yeah, right. Well, how much? Oh, okay. How much is it? To- and oh, then, oh, the, oh. then the coup de grace today was the uh, the alleged witness they had to the voter fraud um, is not only a guy who immediately, every like anybody who follows politics in Philadelphia, immediately recognized as the guy who runs for everything and never wins. So he's basically a, a, a poor version of Jim Oberweiss here in Illinois. Um, but he's also a registered sex offender. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So, nice job. Yeah. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see when the if the Bears have their if the Bears do decide to fire Pace and Trubisky, you know where they have it. You know where the press conference will be held at Victory Auto Wreckers <laughs> <laughs> with a special appearance by Eagle, Eagle Man will be in the tent. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it gets it gets harder and harder for people who still want to defend Nagy to defend him. Lawrence, Lawrence Holmes pointed out today that the thing everybody gets thrown back in their faces is his overall record, which is getting steadily worse all the time, but it's still over 500. And he's like, you you don't have to go very far back if you know from the last two seasons now. He's one game over 500. Yeah, right. That's not great. You don't get to dine out on the 12 and 4 forever. Um, and then we got the absurdity again of, you know, he gets asked constantly, is it time to change play callers? And he's so, he bristles so much at that. And he's like, oh, we take a look at that all the time. And, um, and he just said the same thing again that he said before, which is, um, even if we do that, we won't tell you. Right, big advantage. They're it's they're like, big who, secret. Yeah, no it's one like, cares. It's like not it's telling people if you're if Ted Ginn or Anthony Miller was going to run back punts, or who was going to play. I think it was right tackle. On right. that one, they probably couldn't tell. They didn't know. They're like, I don't know. We're going to find some. We're looking for fat guys, just randomly <laughs> on the street. But because of COVID, it's very few people out. Yeah. <laughs> well, and back to you know, it's not that it's not just the twelve and four; it's the trajectory. If this year was shaping up to be the twelve and four season, well, hey, we're yeah. one game over right. five hundred. But yeah, this year you're twelve, you're humming along, great. No, it's they got the opposite problem. Yeah, because you could even make the case. All right, so they had a good first season; they were five hundred last year. You know, it's hard. You know, as we learned from our patron saint Theo Epstein. Can a Jewish guy be a saint? I think he can. Yeah. Mary, she's Jewish. She's a saint. Um, Progress is not always linear. 
You know, you're not just going to go 12 and 4, 13 and 3, 14 and 2. It doesn't work that way. You can go, go 12 and 4, 8 and 8, and then back up to 11 and 5 or 12 and 4, but right. you don't get to go 12 and 4, 8 and 8, 5 and 11 or 6 and yeah. 10. You just, that, Cause that is, that is linear in the wrong yes, way. Yes, that we're right. Yeah, she is linear. It's a nice straight line heading right <laughs> to the dumper. Yeah. Which is not good. Did you think it was a, was a bad sign? When right after the half, Fox showed the, and I guarantee you, some some guy in the truck was so excited to put this graphic together, and they got it out as quick as they could. Although they were at very little risk of it of it not being relevant, the graphic that showed the stat leaders for the Bears to that point: leading passer Nick Foles, leading rusher Barkevius Bingo. <laughs> they could not have been prouder to have put that thing up. Like how we've played yeah. more than half the game, and the guy who faked the punt for only eleven yards is still their leading rusher. It's like, yeah, we get it. Yeah, right. I thought that was great. I also thought it was an interesting decision. Uh, they're playing, um, you know, my kind of town. Chicago is. Uh, we're Nashville. Why? I, I understand you're playing the a team from Chicago, but I don't know. That struck me as an odd choice. It's well, you don't. You're not just getting the. You're not just getting Dick Stockton. You're getting the Dick Stockton of producers, the Dick Stockton right. of directors. You're getting, getting the, the eighth Dick string. Through. You're getting yes. the eighth string. Everybody. That, so right. Yeah, that's, I'm surprised the cameras face the right direction. <laughs> you're shooting the back of the stadium. You're supposed to shoot the field. Oh, the field again? Yeah, the field. That's where the game is. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. <sighs> So it's uh, it's interesting. So on the uh, on the little post game on Comcast that I would watch a little bit of, and I mostly watch it because they'll carry the whole press conference live for Nagy, and I can watch that and make myself mad. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex Brown brought up a good point because Nagy talked about you know I'm I'll never I will never criticize my players' effort. We they're giving effort, which I immediately flash back to the AJ Brown touchdown where there's a good shot of Eddie just to stop chasing him. Like, nah, yeah. I can't stop that. And he was hauled down and barely scored. So having the safety come over to help out on help Buster might have actually, that would have probably, it would have simply delayed the inevitable. But yeah. Um, but he said, I'll never find my guy's effort and blah, 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 blah. And they, get, they go back to the studio and Alex said, and I think this is perfect. He said the biggest problem that the Bears have with their coach is he wants to be liked. There are times when you just have to be the coach. Mm-hmm. You've got to be. You've got to be willing to, you know, let guys have it. And um, so, probably a good thing because Cap asks, like, well, Lovey, it the word got around pretty fast. Lovey wasn't going to rip his players in the media, but guys were going to hear it if they needed to hear it. Mm-hmm. And they all turn and look at Olin. And <laughs> Cap's like, "Why are you looking at Olin?" And he's like. He's like, Lovey didn't have to do the yelling. That's the guy who did it. He's like, Olin went around. He didn't care if you were offense or defense or whatever. If your effort wasn't up to par, you were going to get a face full of Olin. Right. Um, and that's great if you've got somebody who does that. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, then it really does have to be the coach. And we, I, we've, I've heard stories about stuff Lovey told players. It was pretty clear that Lovey had a standard, and if you didn't live up to it, you heard about it. And you were gone if you didn't catch up to it. 
Right. Um, and maybe Matt has that. I don't know, but it just. Um, was what Theo likes about David Ross, right? He was the guy yeah, who, would, right. as a player, would say, "No, you're not. You, you don't do that. You don't dog it here." Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna get in your ass. And yeah, but you know, other than that, the that Eddie Jackson play, there was a lot of or of uh, some poor effort examples uh, from the team. I mean, you know, David Montgomery had. Would you call that a fumble six, not a pick six? A fumble six. Yeah. I, that's oh, that was like sixty-five yards, right? That return wasn't a, it was, it there was long. enough. It was long. There was certainly enough time for somebody on the team to maybe stop that return. Yeah. And even if it's not an effort thing, because I do think they, for the most part, play as hard as anybody else plays. I do too. Yeah. yeah. But there's there's different kinds of discipline. There's a discipline mm-hmm. where you play hard. There's also the discipline where you actually um, remember the snap count. Remember what personnel group you're supposed to be in. Remember where you're supposed to line up. That's the kind of stuff that can't be, if you let it go, it never stops. And he seems so befuddled by the fact that they lead the NFL in penalties. Yeah. And you know, we talked about how they don't, they don't even do the cool kind. It's, no. You know, it's, it's, it's back-to-back false starts when you decide to go for it on fourth and one, and then incredibly you're going to go for it on fourth and six, which had no chance of working. Right. And so I wondered if Jimmy Graham sabotaged it again. But, um, I mean, it's that kind of stuff that this team we talked about. This team is, is if, if you're not good enough to win games, if your defense doesn't either score for you or put, put you right on the doorstep, you're certainly not good enough to be able to overcome handing yards away on offense. Right. You're just not going to be able to do it. And, um, you know, of the, so the great Arlington Hambright did have, he committed a false start. In fact, I think on the fourth and one, I think that was him. Mm -hmm. But other than that, the offensive line penalties were mostly on the guys that are supposed to be playing. They were on Leno and a Fetty and coward coward smacked the guy in the head, which looked like more of an accident. The whole hands to the face thing. It yeah. seems like there needs to be some gray area there because offensive linemen and defensive linemen are going to occasionally get up in the other guy's grill, and if as long as you get out of it, it ought to be fine. That's um, but you couldn't even blame it on like the the guys rolling off the you know street to play. It was the guys that you know cashed the bigger checks that were committing mm-hmm. the penalties. It's just a really weird amount, uh, even for the Bears of. Short passes in long yardage situations, right? And not even like the good old Javon Wims nine yards on ten when you need ten. Although uh, they did have a couple of those. In fact, Corderell had one right before the fourth and one, where it's, there was no reason for him to to hook up a yard in front of where he needed the first down. He had he had room to go the extra yard and still be able to hold the defensive back off to catch the ball. Mm-hmm. But he did it anyway. Uh, but there were a lot of like, and they're in third and twelve all the time. A lot of like four yard passes on third and twelve. That's like, a what lot. are we doing? What is the purpose of this? Yeah, you know, this guy's not going to break eight tackles and get a first down. Why are you even bothering? You know, you... well, and you're seeing frustration seep in on the part of a guy like Allen Robinson. You know, you can see there's a few times he's just exasperated, like, oh, yeah, really. 
And 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 is that a guy, by the way, who's gonna is he gonna be anxious to re-sign with the Bears, a team with no uh, no offensive identity whatsoever, and a murky, which would be the charitable way to describe it, a murky quarterback situation. More accurate description might be a terrible quarterback situation. He's not going to sign with the Bears. No, he's played so far in his career. He's played with Blake Bortles, Mitch Trubisky, and Nick Foles. Yeah. He's going to go somewhere where there's a quarterback. Yes, he is. You know, He's not going to play his whole – on purpose, he's not going to play his whole career – with stiffs. He's going to go somewhere where there's a quarterback. My fear is that he's going to go one state north. Mm-hmm. And then torment the Bears for, you know, forever with a guy who can actually get the ball near him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's part of it. I didn't, I didn't understand why they were so reticent to sign him to the long-term contract. Uh, but now I think they've blown any shot at actually signing him. Because they're gonna, they'd have to really overpay, I think, to get him to convince him. Like, ah, oh, you know, I guess you pay a guy enough money. He's like, you know what? I think your plan's gonna work. Yeah, but if right. the money's close, he's gonna go to the place where there's the quarterback that can get the ball in the same zip code. Yeah, well, and the Bears, I'm sure, will seek the hometown discount anyway, so yeah, they're not they're gonna the blow away. Right. right. And their cap situation is such that they, you know, that's hard to pay a receiver that much money. So all, all signs point to. He's not going to be with the team next year. That, that'll leave you with a f- the five foot four inch Darnell Mooney, <laughs> and then Anthony Miller, who d- never seems to know what pattern he's running. Right. And then uh, Javon slapping guys over in the face. Yeah. And we got to see Riley Ridley. He actually got to play. Got a first down. Yeah. Almost dropped it, but he caught it. Good Cut name, it twice. It's Riley. Right. It's only one. It, it's only one catch. No matter how many times you catch, you catch it, it still only counts for one. Yep. <sighs> yeah. You know, so again, if if you're not going to have an Allen Robinson next year, if your offensive has no identity whatsoever, and if it's it's uh, another embarrassing season where the tra- trajectory continues to head south, how do you justify keeping? and Nagy. How do you do it? No, I don't know how you do. Here, you could be, you could be forced into a rebuild simply by your better players going. I'd like to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and you've. It's like every other season in Bear history. They've wasted wasted a good defense again. Yep. Um, and I don't know. It maybe it. Don't you think it must just be easier to put together a good defense than an offense? Because it's the only thing the Bears have ever been able to do. It leads me to believe that it must be the it's the it's the path of least resistance. Um, Clearly, you know, but but at least the, in years past, the Bears have always been able to put together a great running game to go with that defense. They don't even have that. Yeah, the and that's the biggest thing. If, if there's one real criticism. If you want to, if you need to boil criticism down to one thing about Nagy's offense, it's the plays he runs do not mesh with the offensive line that he has. Um, there are teams that don't have dominant offensive lines who still can move the ball. They just don't require their poor offensive linemen to hold blocks extra long on passes or to have these completely unimaginative run plays that always end up right between the guard and the center no matter where they start. 
Right. Um, they also don't do the thing where every time you need a yard or two, you bring everybody, bunch everybody within five yards of the ball so that all the defenders are there. Like, right. I think their plan is maybe they'll all run into each other. <laughs> and then we'll pop out the other end for a nice gain. It's like, no, just, you know, they never seem to give themselves the advantage. It's, you know, if it, you know, if it's, if it's third and one, spread it out. Give yourself a chance to run the ball for one yard. Right. Um, and no, at the same did. time, it's like, okay, well, maybe this is, um, maybe the plan is we're going to bunch everybody in, but we're going to run a play. We are going to cross our receivers. There's going to be a lot of traffic in the middle of the field. We're going to, yeah, we're going to pick up a nice pass play, but they, Inevitably, you're just handing it off to Montgomery so that he can start to get tackled before he gets anywhere near the line of scrimmage. Right. Or they try to do something cutesy and do, you know, a pitch here, you know, we we talked about the definition of a reverse, so they might not do that. But they'll they'll try to do something silly where they're throwing the ball to five people behind the line of scrimmage instead of just going straight ahead. You know, a good example of that is the, um, the transformation of the Steeler offense this year. They had to change it for two reasons. They had to change it because um, their uh, gropey quarterback doesn't have a very good arm anymore after getting mm-hmm. pummeled for years. Um, and their offensive line is not as good as it's been in recent years. So they run an offense where they throw where they he releases the ball ridiculously fast, mm-hmm. like barely over two seconds of pass pair. Now they can do it partially because they they have a really good set of wide receivers who can get some separation quickly and get the ball. But that's a good example of a team changing the way they run their offense because of their personnel. Oh my God. Can you imagine (laughs) they tailored the offense to the personnel, not the, not, well, yeah, we don't quite have the guys to run this, but this, this is what I want to run. That that doesn't work. You don't get to do that in life. That sounds like a hallmark of a well-coached team to, to do yes. what the Steelers do. Just like. adjust yeah. and say, all right, this here's what we're going to have to do if we want to win. And we'll do that. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, there was a, I was, went to pick up dinner. And so I got my, like, first five minutes of post-game Bears radio in a long time. Because I just try not to listen to it. But I said, ah, I'm going to submit myself to it and listen to hub thankfully hub wasn't doing much of the talking there was a caller who called in and he got everything wrong but his <laughs> overall sentiment was right he was talking about um what did oh shit what did he get that was so wrong um he got the basic facts of who they were playing wrong but he basically was oh yeah that's no it was it took me a minute to figure out exactly what he's referring to. He said, so we hired this coach because um, they played the, who do you think they played? I guess that's not that important. I think he thought they played the Patriots. They played the Patriots in the playoffs and he forgot to run the ball and they lost. And so because of that, he was available and they hired him. What he, what he was clearly referring to was uh, at the end of his stint in Kansas City, Andy, Matt Nagy finally got to call the plays. Matt or Andy Reid handed him a play sheet and said, go get him. They played Marcus Mariota and the Titans in the first round and built a nice, big, cushy lead. And real shocker to Bear fans, the Chiefs didn't throw the ball in the second half. 
kept giving it back to the Titans, who erased their lead and beat them in a huge upset. But that allowed, then, Ryan Pace to hang around an extra day and interview Nagy and then hire him. Yeah. So we just looked back and saw that the offense was only good for the first 12 weeks of his first season. That's the only evidence that they still have that he knows shit about offense. They've played, what? If you count the playoffs, they've played 30 games since then with a poor offense. So which which one do you want to give the weight to? The first 12 or the last 30? Plus, the two times he's coached in the playoffs, where he's been the primary play caller, they couldn't score. They couldn't score a sixteenth point against the Eagles, mm-hmm. and then his Chiefs team blew a big lead, mostly because he refused to run any of the clock. Right. So, it, yeah. his, the the things you need. The mental gymnastics it takes to still think he's a good coach get harder and harder every week. Especially when it's not like there's a young emerging quarterback that is going to be, you know, it's not like we have Aaron Rodgers in year two and yep. this guy's going to be great. We have nothing. A quarterback is is a, is completely uncertain at yep. best. Oh, there's I don't think – there's a good chance that there's not a quarterback on the roster right now who's going to be on this team next year. Yeah. I don't know what the cap hit – they redid Foles' contract a little bit. So they probably – he might be stuck being your backup, which actually well, has been the one thing he's been good at in his career. So maybe that's not the worst thing. Well, maybe he's the master plan is to build around Kyle Sloter. Maybe Could that's be. what they're – Like, can you believe we got him finally? Finally. I, yeah, he'd been on the street for – uh, nine weeks. Really? Yeah, we hadn't what? checked. We just assumed. Yeah. Yeah. So you get Kyle so Kyle Slaughter takes over next year. Right. That fixes everything. And you get him on a you know, he'll be making nothing. Oh you know, yeah, get a great deal. Oh yeah. Sure. So you'll be able to put all kinds of money in to fix the offensive line. That's the plan. Yeah. <sighs> it's really frustrating on. for you know, Bear Fan. You look around the league and there's it's not just the guys from the Mitch class, you know, you see Deshaun Watson, who's playing with a very bad offensive line and still manages to be productive and gets that brain speed in, but still a good player. And then Patrick Mahomes, who before it's all over may very well be the greatest quarterback who ever played. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are like, Oh, I can't believe that. Well, you know, he's been in the league for three years and he's won an MVP in a Super Bowl already. That's uh, yeah, it's pretty good. He's pretty good. Yeah. And then it's just go even to last year's, the current, rookie class of um, Herbert and Tua and Burrow, you'd love to have any of those three guys. Yeah. Nobody was really sure after one week of Tua, but week two, week Tua, you know, he outduels um, the little guy in Arizona, Kyler Murray, who's also, I don't know how that guy's good. It defies all logic, but he's good. I mean, he's like three feet tall, but he's a good player. Yep. So there's six more dynamic quarterbacks in the league than there were literally at the moment the Bears drafted Mitch. 
So it's just six more guys that yeah. aren't bears, and other teams have. Right. Right. It's just our curse, I guess, to go through life without ever experiencing, you know. Well, you know, ownership matters. Uh, ownership matters with the Cubs. And, you know, when the Tribune was, you know, nothing changed until the ownership changed. And as long as the Mitchkowskis are, you know, running the Bears, uh, I, I don't think we can necessarily expect a, anything different yeah and it's weird because in the nfl it's not really you can't lose money you literally can't the tv your tv contract payment is more than your salary than your payroll is allowed to be so you're everything's great even this year with no fans no nothing they're going to take a hit but they're not taking nfl teams are not taking a bath they're not Mm -hmm. in danger of you know um so what is it? It's for the longest time with the bears. It absolutely was them being cheap. It really was. Yeah. But in recent years, oh, yeah. it's simply them being incompetent. Right. Because the, the playing field is pretty level and everybody has to spend about the same amount of money. Now, granted, if you have a guy like Brady or some superstar, you have to, you can jump through these hoops to overpay them. But for the most part, every team's payroll is pretty close to everybody. Yeah, which means it just comes down to: Are you smart enough to pick the right guys? Which is a big no. The big that's been a big no. They are not smart enough to pick the right guys, and they prove yeah. it over and over again. Right. So they don't play on Sunday; they play Monday night. So that'll be fun because um, we need primetime eyes on the this demise. Yeah. And uh, they're playing Chicagoland native Mike Zimmer and his yes. Minnesota Vikings, who not only got off to a 1-5 start, but basically traded away most of their defense. Um, but in the last couple of weeks, um, they beat the hell out of the Packers and then beat the hell out of the Lions, which, you know, that's the Lions. But um, the Lions, by the way, um, get Washington on Sunday, a team they will probably beat. Meaning, if the Bears lose, the Bears will be still in second place at five and four, but they will only be one game out of last place because both. No, what will they be? They'll be five and five. Uh, they'll only be a half game up over the four and five Vikings and the four and five Lions. That's amazing. Yeah, they are. As Steve Kornacki did the math on my on my uh, newsletter post today, the Bears right now are far more likely to finish last in their division than they are to make the playoffs, despite the fact they started the season five and one. Yeah, you almost have to hand it to them because that's it's hard to do without that is really hard without to do. literally throwing the games, which I don't. They're not. No, they're trying to win and they're not able to do it. That's. There ought to be some kind of prize for that. That's impressive. Yeah. It's like the it's the thing from The Simpsons. Is it Bart that throws away the cake that says at least you tried? That's kinda of, that that's the trophy that the bears should get at the end of the season. Yeah. Right. A participation trophy. Yeah. So I gave away the well, I should I should check, make sure the line is still the same. The line opened at Vikings. 
favored by two and a half, even though the game is at Soldier's Field. That's not a good sign. It just shows that they never fooled anybody, any odds maker. And, and the over under we is forty three. I think it's like twelve. <laughs> it's twelve. Dun, dun, dun. Yep, Lions by two and a half, over under 44 and a half. And it is not the lowest line of the week. Mm. There is one lower, and it is that matchup of Titans in the NFC East, Philadelphia and the Giants. Giants, yeah. Giants had to be one of them. (laughs) Just a half point. Less forty four. Ah, there you go. Wow. So I would uh, it, Vikings and the under sure seemed like a pretty safe place to store your cash. Yeah, I did win money on the bear game this week. I bet um, DraftKings ran a little promo where you could get your an odds boost if you picked the team who would score first. I was pretty confident okay. that that would not be the Bears, and I was correct. Yep, very good. Although, um, you know, if the Bears had gotten that fourth and one on that drive, they might have gotten into Frodo Santos' range, and I would have had to root against my favorite Bear, but I didn't have to. <laughs> didn't come. Well, that's the one last thing that I want to talk about. And it goes into the um, my feeling about Nagy, which is – He's a completely superficial coach. Was they're down seventeen nothing? They have a fourth and goal at the four, with twelve minutes to go in the game, and mm. they kicked a field goal. Right. And they we know they only kicked the field goal because he didn't want to risk getting shut out. Yep. That was the reason. Because from a tactical standpoint, it makes no sense to kick that field goal. You need to score three times, and in your mind, you think, okay, we only have twelve minutes left. We need the touchdowns first mm-hmm. so that on that last drive, if we start to run out of time, we simply have to get into field goal range. Now, ideally, you're thinking we're score three touchdowns, but in no right. time should you be thinking, okay, we get a field goal here, and then we'll get the ball back twice more, and we're just, we'll score our touchdowns then. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't and then people, people will be like, well, but they scored two more touchdowns, so he was, he was right. Well, no. The reason the bear point differential in the fourth quarter is so high is two fluky things. Their comebacks against the Lions and the Falcons, where basically those two teams handed it to them. But it also comes a lot from them being behind and other teams literally backing up so that the Bears can get little dink right. and dunk, which is what their offense apparently is built for. It takes them forever. The other team is never worried that, oh, my God, they're going to erase this deficit. But that's how they roll up yards and get points in the fourth quarter is the other team is basically like, just you, we can't let you get all in one play. Yeah. The only right. way you're going to hurt us is if you score quickly. So we're just going to hang out back here. We call the pass rush off for the most part. You know, we're going to zone everything up. And they can, you know, because the Titans were never worried in that fourth quarter no. that they were going to lose. No. And, and, and we never thought they were actually going to win the game watching it. It was like, yeah. no, no, that's not going to happen. No, right. That goes to I, I would have. Yeah, Nagy doesn't want to face 
pace at the end of the season going, you know, well, Yossi got shut out. <laughs> you well, know, he, to, to top everything else off, there's a shutout on your record, which looks really bad. I thought it was apparent in the uh, after the Rams game when his takeaway from it was that it was embarrassing to be outscored by the offense to be outscored by the defense. Yeah. And it's like, who cares how you get your points? Yeah, right. Just get them. Just win the, win the game, yeah. Um, but that really bothered him. He seemed seemed genuinely like disturbed by that. And it's like, well, yeah, your offense sucks, and you need to fix it. But you know, the takeaway shouldn't be, oh, my God, I can't believe our defense scored more points. It's should be, oh, my God, I can't believe that our offense is so bad we can only score three points. Which yeah. then apparently on Sunday he would have been perfectly cool with because at least it wouldn't have been a zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what you – I just don't know how you counteract that. That There's – you know, this whole idea, well, you know, his players like him, and that's half the battle. It's like, well, mm-hmm. but the, if – it's supposed to be it's – not, it's not supposed to be 100% of that half. Right. It's supposed to be balanced out by actual competence in the other part of it, which then gives you the huge advantage of having – a team that is pulling for each other and their coach and you're doing all this other stuff. If all you have is that part, you don't have anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe they'll come by and they'll, they'll extend his winning streak over Mike Zimmer to five, get the bears back to six and four. And there they and go. There right, up go. The, yeah. right on the Packers ass again. And <laughs> Because we've seen it. I mean, Zimmer has, he's, well, only three of the four losses to the Bears, I think, really bother Zimmer. Because the fourth one was week 17 last year when the Vikings had already wrapped up their playoff spot and were just playing the, oh, please don't get hurt thing. Uh, But the first three had to piss him off. And maybe he's just a moron and that's the guy Nagy can beat. But I'm not going to bank on it. Maybe. But yeah. So we'll find out Monday night. Yes, we will. In front of the world. All right. Well, thanks, Mike. All right. Well, thanks. Here's my thing. Go Bears. Many of us have herpes.